Restoring Place Church, the church of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center, is a place where we make disciples of Christ, teach and train them to live as children of God, and to thrive in who He created them to be. We believe that this is the best time on earth to be alive, to experience the end-time harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be renewed, recharged, and restored to go out and take the gospel to your world. Let's join our service already in progress. I'm going to read something to you, then we'll get into the Word. It's a healing Sunday. The first Sunday of every month, we've called it a healing service, but we, we pray for the sick every Sunday, but we specifically talk more about it on the first Sunday of every month. If you want to know the heart of God concerning uh, healing, look at Jesus. I never saw him told anybody, wait until you get into heaven. It was never his intent. He was always on time. Now, let's do it. In fact, there were times when it happened and people got mad about it, but they did it anyway because that was his heart. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power to tell you that he couldn't do it without the Holy Ghost and power. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. The only limitation he had was the person he ministered to wow. and whether or not they believed his words, which were the truth, which he got from the father. I mean, Jesus only told people what the father told him. That's what we want to do here. Only take what God says. Only take what Jesus says. Amen. But Jesus only told the truth and the truth set people free. And some people wondered whether or not Jesus, he, they knew he had one leprous man came to Jesus and says, I know you, I know you have the power to, but I don't know that you're willing to. And Jesus says, of course I'm willing. And then he declared, be healed. Amen. It's no different today. We hear the truth. The truth will make us free. Make us free from poverty, sickness, disease, oppression, depression, bondages, attacks from the enemy. Amen. But there's one thing we've got to keep in mind is that we have to yield to him. <clears throat> Let me just repeat this one more, one more time. I'm not, Jim Noble, of myself worthy to minister to you. But the Holy Spirit that dwells in me makes me worthy in him. But apart from him, I'm nothing. And I can't heal a fly. Or like Brother Hagin says, I can't heal a gnat's wing. <clears throat> and Jesus himself says, I can do nothing of myself. But the Father that dwells in me does the works. Amen. It's something about the indwelling presence of God on Jesus who went about doing good and healing all the press of the devil that he's called us to as well. But I'm going to open with one scripture this is from John chapter 13. And then we'll get into the word after this, the message of healing today and our part in it. Jesus was fully aware that the father had placed all things under his control. This is John 13. They, were, they had just come into Jerusalem for what we celebrate Palm Sunday. <clears throat> they celebrated his entry into it. And they, this is the same day. They go to the upper room and they're hanging out together and Jesus is talking to him. He's down to hours that he has left to spend with his disciples. He's giving them his last messages and teachings that he can give them that's vitally important to them for how they carry on after he leaves. Even tells them things they don't get. He tell, they tell them things they don't see. They tell them things they don't understand. He plains, clearly, plainly, clearly and plainly tells them they're going to crucify me, but after three days I'll be raised. But as soon as he was crucified, they thought the whole thing's over. 
How many times do the circumstances in our lives avert our attention from the truth that God spoke to us and then we start believing what we see more than what he said? It's been, the, it's been the enemy's <clears throat> tactic all along. He came to Adam and Eve in the garden and says, well, you know, really, if you eat this tree, you'll be wise and you become like him. But they were already made in the image and likeness of God. They didn't have to become. They were made. He talked about and turned them from what God said about them and who they were. And he got them to believe a lie and then that empowered the liar to hurt them and to put it on us as well. Jesus came to bring it back. But it is an interaction. It's a co-laboring. It's a a cohabitation of a a face-to-face, interface, walk with Christ and through God, through Jesus Christ that we live in. That's what he called us to. That's what he called Adam and Eve to walk with him daily. And he's called us to walk with him daily. And you have to come back through Jesus to walk with him. But it always has been that God wanted to live and breathe with us, not apart from us. And he's knocking on your door to say, let him in. The door, the handle's on the inside, right? The the door of your, the the knob of your heart's on the inside of your heart. He won't bust it in and come in. But you're going to have to believe what he says. <clears throat> and you're going to have to let him do for you what he wants to do for you. And what he wants to do for you is beyond what you can do by yourself. Come on. But if you don't allow him, if you allow the enemy to continually to downgrade you in your heart and your mind and your thoughts about who you are, the devil will defeat you. And <clears throat> in that defeating of you, it defeats those that God wanted to move through you to help. Amen. You can make disciples. Go, Jesus raised up his disciples to be like him. And they turned, came to tell us. You and I are all disciples of Jesus through the words that's been handed down to us. The written word and the spoken word to us. And we're continuing this same operation in our life. Someone's always feeding us. We're always feeding someone else, raising up people. But if we don't allow yourself to become who God has called you to do, you'll stunt everything that God wanted to do through you. And those that were, were going to be receiving the message through you will be stunted and have to find somebody else. Oh, wow. That's key. Listen up. Listen up. And we're, our perfect Good. example is, <clears throat> I can't do that. And we'll look at the circumstance and disqualify ourselves based on natural circumstances instead of the truth of the word of God. And we'll never be all that he's called us to be. I was, I read a book, I don't know, I can't remember which one it is, I've got a few going, but one of them said that we always continually go to the lowest common denominator in our faith. For example, when the father brought his son to Jesus and told him that there's a, when Jesus saw this young man and the young, the demon in the young man saw Jesus. He threw him on the ground. He began to wallow and foam. He's having a seizure. And Jesus says, how long has he been like this? He wasn't worried. He knew he was in full of control. He was fully in control of the situation, just like he was in the boat when he was asleep. He was sleeping in the midst of a storm that kept the other ones in fear, but he was asleep and in peace in that storm. And when he looked at that boy, he said, that's a demon. How long has he been like that? And the father said, ever since he's been a child, <clears throat> it often tries to throw him in the fire to burn him or in the river to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion and help. He says, if I can do anything, 
If you can believe, all things are possible. Hallelujah. And Jesus noticed the crowd come. He reached down and cast the devil out of that boy. And it came out of him so violently that it looked like it killed him. <clears throat> and all the people there, again, went to the lowest common denominator and says, he's dead. And he wasn't dead. Be careful that you don't find yourself always looking to the least that God can do for you instead of the greatest. Because <clears throat> he's, able, he's able to do far over and above all that you could dare ask, think, pray, conceive, dream, or think. And the limitation is not with him, it's with us. I think we've been in the last 100, 150 years, maybe longer than that, that I can tangibly touch with, through my family and stuff. We're always worried that somebody's going to get out of control in Jesus, that they're going to get overboard to the point that we just sit back and do nothing. We're, we're more afraid that somebody's going to get out of control. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> my family was worried about me being off the deep end. And we were out there as far as we could go, but we ain't as far as we're going to go. Come on. And we're not we're down near the deep end like I want to be. Come on. But some people are willing to be satisfied with the status quo instead of being a little bit nervous about the things of God. And there have been some goofy stuff out there. <clears throat> and all you have to do when you get in the midst of stuff, when it does seem a little bit goofy, just sit back and watch and just say, Lord, what's going on? We, we got a prophetic word from Bishop Hash. If you ever want to know where I came from, my spiritual father is J.C. Hash, Bishop J.C. Hash in Winston-Salem, a St. Petersburg Outreach Center. He's a, he's, he is a, he's, a, he's a pastor. He's a teacher. He's prophetic. He's a prophet. He's humble. If, if I had to say on this earth, who would I want to be like as a pastor? It'd be him. And he is my model, but Jesus is my first model to be like him. And I'm trying to be like him. And my pastor is. He pastored. And if you get a chance to go look him up, you'll see he's a man of God. But he, he gave my wife and I a word early on in these days. I mean, like when we, we, we caught on fire, we were in the midst of deep trouble, but we caught on fire and we began to seek the things of God. Things that as we began to open the word of God and look into it, there were things that were in this Bible since the time I had a Bible, which is probably the time I was able to draw my first breath because I had grandparents giving me Bibles all the time. There were things in there I never, I never got a hold of because I wasn't hungry for them. I wasn't looking for them. But they Come were on. there all along. <clears throat> Come on. And we were, <clears throat> we caught on fire and Charles Capps was coming to, I'd been listening to particularly one uh, message. If you get a chance to listen to it, it's really good. It's called The Life and Power of Words. It's what's behind what we do when we make confession, which is the gospel truth that we believe something in our heart and confess it into being. And he did this thing called the Life and Power Words. And man, I would come home from work. I'd be listening on the way home from work and I'd be on fire. I mean, I'm, I mean, like my bones were on fire. And I'd walk in the door and Libby would kick in another room just because I walked in. The presence of the Lord is on me, I believe, that she knew I was home. <clears throat> wow, wow. And they said, well, he's, he's going to come to St. Peter's in Winston-Salem. I said, I'm going. They go, what's well, a black church? I says, I could care less. What kind of church it is. I went to a, a football banquet yesterday. Uh, I graduated in 73, but you know, your football years are like your high school years. I, I run, my senior year was 72, 73. My junior year was 71, 72. And it was a 71, 72 football team and all those that played on it, maybe a grade or two up and down. But 
It was, it was 50 year anniversary, I hate to say it, for the class of 72. And in the midst of that, they did a football gathering and basketball gathering. All the, and the coaches were there. And I said, I, I got to go see these guys. And, and Coach Boyle, this is right when we went to school. Now, this happened for me in middle school. I went to Northwood Elementary. But when I got to uh, Northeast Junior High School, we were integrated. And I saw black and white folks. I'd never been in class like that before. But I thought it was the coolest thing ever happened to me. And I loved it. And then when we got to high school, we played football. And for a lot of people in high school, it was the first time schools were integrated. And I remember that there was turmoil in our society about integration as opposed to segregation and fights. And I mean, it was a mess. And there we were playing football together. And we didn't really think much about it. We just played football. And all the guys on the team were my brothers. Hey, that's who we played. It. And one of them, Coach Bowles, was there. I think the world of him. He took us to my junior year to the state championship and my senior we went to semi what do you call it semi championship we now if we won the game my senior year we'd have played the other the crosstown rival high point for the state 4a championship but when we got there and somebody said something about that y'all probably heard of james boom boom betterson that played for chapel hill and then went on playing the pros he was our he was a senior when i was a junior and we had some we had some great ball players and uh what I'm saying, Jay Boom Boom said something about yesterday about all this coming together, and it was it was tough times racially, and schools were being integrated, and it was difficult. But he said, but for us, we kind of modeled what it was like to work together as a football team, and we were a solid team. And coach got up later and says, you know, I never thought about that. It didn't. It wasn't what I thought. He said, one coach says, tell me how you do this. I don't know how you. You seem like you work really good with, with those guys, those, uh, the, uh, the, the black guy, the black team. He says, well, I don't want to think about it that way. They're, they're football players. I'm, they're not black or white. I don't care what they are. As long as they play football, listen to me. <clears throat> I don't know why I told you that. But I was telling you about J.C. Hash. So we just said, we're going to St. Peter's. And the black church says, I don't care. And I was at a predominantly white church in High Point. I love this church. And I, I talk about them often. If you're ever watching this online, just understand that I love you. Because, and I'm going back up there. One of my, my junior high school coach, Coach Yoda, his daughter has, has volunteered for us for a long time, Angie. And he's one of my best coaches. I, I loved him. He worked my tail off. He paddled me. And you know, the ones that really push you to your limit in your life are the ones that you look back and go, man, that, that was, I appreciate that person. But... We went to St. Peter's and we never went back. So, so Coach Senyota is, is in charge of a Sunday school class and I'm, they want me to come up and teach. I said, some Sunday I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be teaching the Sunday school class the things I'm teaching you, but, but I want them to know the truth. Because when I was at, St. at First Methodist, I didn't hear a lot of the stuff that we talk about here. It, but it's there. I mean, it was, but we didn't bring our Bibles to church. There was a Bible in the pew, but nobody ever looked at it. There were songs and hymns and we had books and we opened them, but not many people sang but they were loving people. They're Jesus's people. And they just, I don't know why yet, but they haven't got the full revelation of all that's been there. And neither have we. <laughs> we never can get too arrogant about who we are. If we are, we're already in trouble. Yeah, we're already in error. But we need to be striving forward and then go back to those and teach. Paul said, not Paul, well, we think it's Paul that wrote it in Hebrews 6. We're not going to keep talking about these things, the initial stuff like the laying on hands. We're supposed to take you into deeper teachings. I mean, like, and some of these things that Paul talked about is elementary teaching, the stuff that we think today is like really deep. And no, he's like, that's elementary. 
like the laying on of hands and, and all that that implies. But we went to St. Peter's because we were hungry. And we heard the truth and we heard of God and we never left. But these words were always there for us. <clears throat> I'll say this. You will receive, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Actually, I'm paraphrasing it, but and I'm thinking it's, it's a thought, but you will receive from the word of God what you put into it. Amen. Amen. As hungry as you are is what you're going to get fed. If you're, if you're not hungry, start eating, you'll get hungry. In the world, in the natural realm, if you're not hungry, you don't eat. And if you are hungry, you eat until you're not hungry anymore. And the word of God is totally different. When you're not hungry, if you find yourself not hungry, put your nose in this book. Get your, get your heart in this word of God and then your hunger will come. Amen. This is not a passive walk in the kingdom of God. It, it is an active walk. We co-labor with him to bring about what he wants. And we take our place and our part in it and listen to him as our head. Fellowship together with, with the brethren. But strive for his goals. And then this, we're going to talk today at, after church as we do the orientation for membership of the church. And again, if you've not decided you want to do that, but you said today, oh, I'll just do that. I'll just, come on up here. But we'll share our vision. But if our vision is not in the, in the thickness of God's vision, it's probably not his. It has to be his vision. And it's really not our vision. It's, I mean, it's his vision for our church and what he's called us to do. Amen. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So read this and then we'll, we'll study a couple of things Jesus did and then we'll do the same thing he did. Jesus is fully aware that the father had placed all things under his control for he had come from God and was about to go back to him. This is uh, John 13. He came from God and he's going back. Amen. Say amen. That's that's. So he got up from the meal, and here's the deal, that to set the precedent, the disciples had been arguing on this trip, <clears throat> who's going to be the greatest? Now, I'm a competitive person. There's people I know more competitive than me, but I'm competitive, and I don't ever want to be number two at anything. If I'm going to do it, I want to be the best that can absolutely do it. Amen. Amen. But I make sure my heart's right when I do that, because I can, if you're not careful, com competition can... But if you do all things under God, the best that you can do. For, for example, I'm talking about football. Ever since I was fifth or sixth grade, all I wanted to do is pro, play pro football. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to, and I worked out. I didn't go to gym as much. Then the gym didn't let me work out. So from sixth grade all the way to high school, when it came to PE, I was working out with weights. Because all I wanted to do was play pro football. I got in high school and realized, man, I ain't going to play college ball. And I played high school ball, but I didn't play much my junior year. And I played some of my senior year, but I wasn't like the greatest star on the team. I realized, hmm, I ain't going to do that. And sometimes in life you have set your sights on goals and things, but always be realistic and listen to God and tell you what he does. But no matter what you do, whatever you do, give it your absolute best. Do the best. Do everything you do. Even if it's cleaning your own kitchen, your house, do it as if you're doing it to God. Because you can go back and watch it, I believe, when you get to heaven. And you'll see. I mean, everything that you've said is recorded is going to come out. And right now, Lord, I'm just asking you to repent me for everything I said that's out of whack. <laughs> He's working on me, okay? 
So we got up from the meal. I said, they were talking about who's going to be the greatest. And they're arguing about it. And, and John and James, the two brothers said, I'm going to be on his right. I'm going to be on his left. And even their mama got involved. Can, and he comes in. She comes up. Can, can they? He says, you don't really know what you're asking. Do you think you can drink the cup for I'm going to drink? Then he goes, well, you will. But whoever it is who sits on my right left is not my decision to make. It's the Lord's. That's up to him. But in the, in the thought of this, of them wanting to be the greatest, Jesus begins to teach them something about how to live and operate in this body he's called us to. Wow. He got up from the mill, took off his outer robe, took a towel, wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with this towel. When he came to Jesus, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter objected and says, I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. Listen to this. I cannot let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. Sounds right. Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. And Peter looked at Jesus and said, you will never wash my dirty feet. Never. <clears throat> and Jesus said, Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you will not be able to share life with me. Wow. Wow. Gosh. Oh, that's big. You won't be able to share life with me unless you let me minister. Wash your feet. Wow. Wow. That's so good. Now, ever since I heard this, the truth of the gospel, and I'm talking about the fire of the gospel, the Holy Spirit living on the church is lived on Jesus. And Jesus said when he, when he was when he was at Caesarea Philippi, and he said, and he's at the he's at, at the gates of hell, this place we call the gates of hell or uh, Bashan. Before then, it had been renamed Caesarea Philippi, but it was still a spiritually dark portal into the dark realm. And he's he's asking these questions right at this portal. The devil is not omnipresent. He's at the gates of hell. And said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John. Some say you're this. Some say that. Who do you say to him? Peter says, you are the Christ, the anointed one. You are the Mashiach. The Mashiach. The one that Moses prophesied about. That everybody's prophesied about since. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven revealed that to you. And on this revelation... And this hit me when I was walking down Trine, going north, up Trine Street, and I walked past where the, um, the theater is there. It's now church. It was a church, now it's a theater. Right, right. Uh, and across, it's, it's the Baptist church, it says, Thou art the Christ. And underneath it says, On this rock I'll build my church. I said, My goodness, thou art the anointed one, and on this anointing I will build my church. And the last instructions he gave his church was to go and wait for the promise of the Father you heard me talk about. For you shall be endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. In other words, his church is going to be anointed just like he was. Amen. John 14, 12. And we have a tendency to say, well, I'm not worthy. 
had one guy in my Bible study, I argued without him all the time about this. I kept talking to him. I said, look, we are the body of Christ. He's anointed us to be like him. He says, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, just an old, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, you used to be an old sinner, but now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You got to figure out which one you are. Oh, brother, no. I'm just <laughs> Let him wash your feet. Amen. If you don't let me wash your feet, Peter, you'll have no life with me. To easily say I'm not worthy seems to be humble. But it's really more humble to yield to him, let him do what he intends to do through you than what you think you're worthy of. Because you are worthy because of his blood and only because of his blood and the cross and his resurrection and his baptism and the Holy Spirit of the church to the point there is not one thing that we can boast about in our walk with God. Not one. Come on, come on. Nonetheless, if you don't allow his blood to work, you'll never be where he's called you, but you will not walk in this fellowship with him. It's so easy to say, well, I'm just not worthy. But when you do that, you are really saying, you can't wash my feet because I know who I am. And the Lord knew who Peter was before Peter got here. And before he even got to his feet, obviously the other guys let him wash his feet. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> We've all been like Peter. Most of us think we're not quite as wild as Peter. Nonetheless, we're still like Peter, but Peter did magnif- God did magnificent things through Peter after he getting his life together. And guess what? It's a continual journey. Don't think God's holding back until you get your act together. Because you'll never get your act together for him to come flow through you. You won't do it without him. But we have to allow him and his will to come to pass in our life, even at the expense that we think. People may think we're crazy. People may think we're out there. Maybe we may be used by God. The greatest, most powerful spiritual walk on humanity on this earth was Jesus himself. The greatest. But the only reason that God could be the greatest on him was because Jesus was the absolute least. Mm. Oh, that's key. (laughs) We want God to move through us. Yet we won't yield or we won't let him wash our feet. Because I battled this myself. There's some things God's put in our heart to do in the city, and we're going after it to build 20 acres with housing, 300 farms, so people can come off the street. It's not permanent housing, it's just 12 month housing to discipleship. Can't make anybody stay. It's only you come as you want to. The only thing we really have to offer you is a place to stay through discipleship. If discipleship's not part of it, Go to the shelter, go somewhere else. But this is going to be a place for life to be changed, to be make disciples of. All of us come from very backgrounds where we've had victories and defeats. And sometimes some victories overcome people. Sometimes their defeats overcome them. And we find up broken in life of the stream of humanity 
all the time. He's ready to bring us into relationship with him so that his will would come to pass, that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But we have to let it. Amen. Amen. Have to let it. Come on. We have to let him wash our feet. Wow. Jesus had cast the devil out of a man that was mute, couldn't speak. We read this before. Let me read it again. I'm not going to read the whole thing. He cast the devil out and the people began to talk about it. Some say he's casting out by the devil. Some say he's just this and that. Some say he's, he's lunatic. Some people. Jesus, well aware that every thought, and every time healing is thought about, thought about, talked about, manifested, people get mad. Some people get excited, particularly the ones that get healed. And the ones that it messes with their religion, they get upset. Jesus was, let me just tell you, Jesus is not, is, was not and is not religious. Come on, come on, preacher. He's pure. That's a good word. And he's honest and he's open and he talks truth and he's justice and righteousness and he's fully love, mm. but he's not religious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I don't mean, well, we need to come up with another word. Are you religious? Well, no, I'm not religious, but I sure do strive to walk with God and to be like Jesus because he told me to. Who do you think you are? Nobody following Jesus who he didn't make me everything in him. All things available to me according to his word based on my faith in what he's done. Nothing in me. Amen. But don't throw the baby out in the bathwater. Jesus, well aware of the every thought, said to them, every kingdom that's split against itself is doomed to fail and will eventually collapse. In other words, if I'm the devil, casting out the devil, that can't be because I'd fall apart. It's true that Satan casts out his own demons through me, then how can his kingdom remain intact? If Satan gives me the power to cast out demons, who is it that gives your exorcist their right and their power? Let them become your judges. Go and ask them and they will tell you. <clears throat> Yet if I'm casting out demons... By God's mighty power, then the kingdom realm of God has now been released upon you. That's truth. If we carry the kingdom and we have his authority, we can do what he called us to do. Amen. We can't rely on ourselves at all. But you still reject it. If Satan's kingdom and his belongings are undisturbed as they are today, in some places, we're poking at it. But if his belongings are undisturbed, then he stands guard over his fortress kingdom, strong and fully armed with an arsenal of many weapons. <clears throat> Satan stands guard over his arsenal of many weapons because nobody's messing with him. But when one stronger than he comes to attack and overpower him, the stronger one will empty the arsenal with which he trusted. Jesus manifested that perfectly. Every place he went where he came against the kingdom of darkness, it manifested in sickness, disease, demonic oppression. Regardless of what the situation, he overpowered Satan. Unless that person did not accept him. And how many went untouched because they never heard of him or never heard the message? You don't have to see him to be healed. But when one comes stronger and comes to attack and overpower him, the stronger one will empty the arsenal in which he trusted. The conqueror will ransack his kingdom and distribute all the spoils of victory. What Jesus did 
was celebrating and manifested the spoils of victory over Satan when he set the captives free, when he healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils and cleansed them. But that was the fruit and the spoils of this battle. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he would destroy the works of the devil. The king, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more than more than enough. Now you compare what he said to what he did and you would see that when the the thief is the devil and Jesus was the one that kept saying to set the captives free, the thief came to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more than more than enough. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Healing is good. Sickness is bad. Oh, come on. Healing is good. Sickness is bad. Healing's from the Father. Sickness is from the devil. Come on. When they let that man down by four into the roof, and he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the religious people got mad and said, who can forgive sins? He, he knew their thoughts. He said, let me ask you something. Which is easier for me to say with my mouth, you're forgiven <clears throat> or that you're healed. But that you may know that I have the power on earth to forgive sins. I tell this man, rise, take up your bed and walk. Oh, Sickness is from the devil. Yes, it is. Hello. Don't ever listen to the lie that people say, God won't put on you more than you can bear. Let me first of all tell you, he's not the one that puts anything on you. He's the one that comes to give you life and more abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to what he said in this point. Because this is an invitation to his church, among others that he's given us, to join him in this battle. The conqueror will ransack his kingdom and distribute all the spoils of victory. This is a war. And whoever is not on my side is against me. Let me just say this. Well, that may be some of the church. If you don't ransack the spoils of Satan's kingdom and sickness, and if you never pray for the sick, you're allowing it to go on. Wow, wow. If you don't know it, get in here and study it. But he said these signs would follow believers. In my name, they lay hands on the sick and they recover. Jesus says, all the authority has been given to me both in heaven and earth. Now you go in my authority and make disciples of all nations and teach them to faithfully follow every command I've given you. If you can find a command that he gave them, it's our command. Amen. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse lepers. This is a war, and whoever is not on my side is against me. And whoever does not gather the spoils with me will be forever scattered. Now think about that. Who doesn't gather spoils of me? He said, I've come and ransacked Satan's kingdom and I'm gathering the spoils. Wow. Come on. He said, if you're not with me against me, but if you don't gather spoils with me, you'll be scattered. Oh, come on. Is that a word of the church for today or what? Well, yes. One more. He was teaching in one of the synagogues, Luke 13, on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no wise raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and says, Woman, 
you are loosed from your infirmity. She's in the synagogue. Come here, Jamie. I've done this before, but thank you. You may sit down. Okay. When I called him to me, y'all watched to see what would happen. And in Jesus' day, because they know of him and the problems he's caused in their meetings that was contrary to their normal operational religious stuff they did, they made him mad. He made them mad because he messed with their authority that was not from God, but to rule people. Amen. And he was set in captives free. The reason he first, one of the reasons he came on this earth to destroy the works of the devil. When he called the woman to her, everybody stopped and looked at him. And he, I know his disciples are thinking, not again, Jesus. Every time you heal on the Sabbath, we get in a battle. And he says, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Amen. What he saw was a woman bowed together. What he said was what he declared, the will of God for her life. Amen. And he laid hands on her. She was made straight. Began to glorify God. Find one time when someone was healed in the New Testament or the four Gospels and the, or anything past that. When someone got healed and gave the devil credit. Not one and even heathens and non-believers who don't believe in God will cry out to God when they're sick. Mm. Even if they ain't one. But there is. And we cannot walk in ignorance if we don't know the truth of how he's declared. Jesus always was teaching them. He would preach, teach, and heal. Why? Because you need to understand by faith to receive what God's done for you. Bartimaeus was called to him and he called, he yelled in for Jesus because he, he was calling him the son of David, which meant you are the anointed one. And, he, and Jesus brought him to him. They, they tipped him to shut up, you old beggar. He said, bring him to me. Jesus stopped his entourage and waited for Bartimaeus to come to him. He says, do you think I can do this? He says, oh, yes. Go. Your faith has healed you. Wow. wow. You see, Jesus stopped the train so just to help Bartimaeus. And what if Bartimaeus hadn't believed? He would walk away without it and God could do nothing on his behalf. He could have, but he, he could not because of his word. It said in his own hometown, he could there. It didn't say he would there. He said he could there do no mighty works. And he marveled at their unbelief. unbelief. Our unbelief can stop the hand of God. Amen. Sometimes God will sovereignly move above it and beyond it. But we got to know who he is. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is a self-existent one that revealed himself thousands of years ago to be our healer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And when Jesus was reading the, reading the mail to the folks in the synagogue in Capernaum, I think that's where he was, in Luke 4, he said, you'll say to me, physician, heal yourself, because in the days of Elijah, there were many widows and, and Sarepta, but God didn't send Elijah to any of those but in Israel, but to that widow in Sarepta. And there were many lepers in the days of Elijah, Elisha. But God didn't send Elisha to any of the children of Israel, but to Naaman the Syrian. And you'll say to me, physician, you know yourself. They got mad. My, my, my understanding, my thing, I mean, you, you can look at it yourself. Why did God not call Elijah? Why did God not call Elijah to those prospective circumstances? They already had a promise. Amen. Amen. He sent them to people who did not have a promise. Yes. And you may say, well, we don't have a promise. 
I'm glad you brought that up. Because this woman that was bound together could no wise lift up herself. When Jesus said to her, woman, he called into existence and they laid hands. Why did he do it? That's what the father told him to do. I think it bears a thought that when we minister, we need to be listening to God. Amen. Amen. Instead of doing what we did last time. Right? Amen. So Jesus laid hands on her and she was made straight and began to glorify God. The ruler of the synagogue got upset and said, there are six days in which men ought to work, not the Sabbath. Let them come any day but this one. Jesus goes, you hypocrite. You'll take your ox and your donkey up from your barn, <clears throat> down to the creek, get him water on the Sabbath day, and ought not this woman whom Satan has bound low these 18 years. Because she's a daughter of Abraham, she ought to be loosed this day. This day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What if Jesus had not come to that synagogue? She may not have been healed. But he came. He said she ought to be loose this day. Why? Because she's a daughter of Abraham. Because God had declared truth and promises over her through Abraham. Actually through Abraham, which covered her. Yeah, that's good for the Children of Israel, brother, no, but how about us? I'm glad you brought that up. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. By the way, sickness is the curse of the law. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us because it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In verse 29 of chapter 3, Galatians says, And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to that same promise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Quick caution. Don't filter this through the world system. If you try to push this back through the way you've been brought up, not necessarily, I don't mean your religious way you're brought up, but even that. But if you've been brought up thinking the world's way and you try to push this back through to verify it, you'll, you'll drop it every time. You have to lay down what you think you know to learn what God wants to teach you. That's key. Key. Hallelujah. And Jesus said in John 14, 12, if we believe him, we would do what he did. Amen. Well, there's only three reasons why we're not. One, we don't know it. Two, we know it and don't believe it. Or three, we know it and we believe it, but we've got something blocking it like sin or unforgiveness in our life. But we ought to be what he called us to be. Amen. We ought to let him, though we're not worthy, wash our feet and receive what he shed blood from, what he shared blood for to the fullest, not for ourselves, but for those around us. Amen. We are blessed to be a blessing. Yes. Blessed to be a blessing. The same promise he gave Abraham. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to bless your, your whole entourage. And I'll bless those that bless you. And I'll curse those that curse you, and th- curse you. And through you and through your seed, all nations of the earth, all families, all tribes of the earth shall be blessed. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, that you become a blessing. It was always worldwide outreach. It was always for everyone. But he had to find someone who would believe him? Thank you for the blessings of Abraham. Hallelujah. I'll say this last thing and then we're going to put into practice healing that 
Jesus' place in his church. If I remember it, I just had it. He's called us to be like him. Amen. Don't let the devil talk you out of being who God called you to be. Amen. If you're wondering, study the word. Read his word for what he says who you are. He told us to make disciples of all men and teach them to faithfully follow every command that he gave us. Then you know what? That's what we're supposed to do. If you, according to his scripture, I mean, according to the word, the great commission could follow every command. That means if he tells you to do it, go do it. Amen. He said these signs would follow believers in my name. They'll cast out devils. They'll take up serpents. They'll speak with new tongues. If you've got problems with people speaking in tongues, I'm not talking about the way they speak in tongues because some people can be out of, out of order. But when you look at the purity of what God's called us to, particularly in Romans 8, when we pray in the Holy Spirit with things we don't know how to pray for ourselves, we, we, he gives us the ability through his Holy Spirit living in, us to, living in us so that we may pray the perfect will for the Father when we don't know how to pray. Hallelujah! That's a secret weapon of the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. You're locked up, you're, you're cornered in some mess and the devil's coming to kill you or whatever he's trying to do. And then you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and you pray for things you don't know how to pray, but it is the will of the Father by the Holy Spirit Hallelujah. that you'll be able to pray in faith yes. to stop the hands of the enemy. It is a fixed fight and we win. Victory. So before we go today, before we take communion, we're going to pray for the sick. He said these signs would follow believers. Whatever he commanded them to do, we do. Whatever Jesus did to teach us, he's called us to do it. Amen. Amen. Wow. That one's strong. Whatever Jesus did in John 14, 12, he said, you'll do what I did. Pick one of them. Pick any of them. You can't leave any out. They're all available to us, which is the will of the Father through Jesus Christ for us to become everything he's paid for us to be. Oh, hallelujah. And if he, if he, shed, if he shed blood to pay for it, surely don't rip him off. Let him get what he paid for. Amen. People come to my restaurant, and, and I'm, I'm very concerned about two things. One, that we charge the right amount. And two, we don't charge too much. That we don't overcharge someone. But let them fully get what they pay for. Amen. If Jesus paid for it, let him have it. Amen. Amen. Yield yourself. Let him wash your feet. Yes. So many people never move into this because they can't even imagine the fact that he's called us to do that. But he's able to do far over, over and above all that we could dare ask, think, imagine. Wow. Dream, dream with God. So we're going to pray first. If you're watching online, this is for you as well as anyone in this room.
There's some people we're battling for on this list who have cancer. I particularly hate cancer. Amen. I'm not afraid of cancer. If we get afraid of cancer, we've, we bound our knees in defeat to it. Joshua was getting ready to walk into the land that was bigger than him and had great walled cities and giants in the land. If you allow those, what you see over there to put you in fear and not be trusting in God, you'll be, you'll be looking at your own self and you'll go down in defeat. Oh, that's key. So stand in faith, encouraged. He told Joshua, don't be afraid, be very courageous. Three or four times. Yes, he did. Don't be afraid. <clears throat> do not fear. It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. Amen. If he commands it, you can do it. If you, if you think, well, I can't be without fear because it's impossible. Not with God. Come on. Come on. He, he's got a trump card for everything the devil would tell you. Amen. He told us to do this, so we're going to do it. First, cancer. If you have cancer in your body, someone in your family has cancer, or you know someone, they stand in the gap for them, stand on your feet. I stood last week. Stand. Fight the good fight of faith. Yes. He didn't say take a punch and go home. He said fight it. Oh, resist the enemy. Gabriel fought for 21 days to come answer Daniel's prayer. Wow. But God heard him when he prayed. And this is the confidence that we have in God that if we ask anything or make a request according to his word, he hears us. And since we know that he hears us, we also know we've settled in absolute knowledge that we have granted to us as our present possession that request we made of him. Yes. If it come on the basis of his word, he's hearing you. The devil will sometimes say, well, he ain't hearing you. Shut up, devil. I'm speaking his word. I know he hears me because he said so. Come on, preacher. Come on. Because he said so needs to be the bottom line for you and me. Oh, hallelujah. Because God said it. That for it is true. Peter by the Holy Ghost said, be well balanced and always alert because your adversary, the devil, roams about incessantly like a roaring lion looking for power to pray for to devour. He looks like one, but he ain't. Take a divisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. You know that your fellow believing brothers and sisters around the world are also experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endure. Don't feel like the Lone Ranger. Don't sit around saying, Whoa, it's me. Get off your butt and fight. Amen. Oh, I can't Hallelujah. close it yet. I got to say their names. Oh, that's a good so, in the name of any other sickness, any other disease, any other abnormality, any other mental issues, any kind of restrictive issues, any kind of addictive issues, any kind of. Uh, Sexual perversion issues and an and, and, and ingrown toenail if you want to stand up for that. Whatever. Just so you don't have to stand up where people think they're trying to figure out what you're standing for. Don't make any difference what you're standing for. Come on. Stand for God. Amen. Amen. First we'll curse cancer, then we're going to pray for sickness of everyone else. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the authority that's given to us because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, it's great that you walk in that power. But the reason you walk in that power is because your authority, your, your true source of your authority comes from the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Because you belong to his kingdom. Amen. Start believing it. 
Yes. We come against cancer and the physical bodies of the people's names that we call out right now. Amy, Margie, Adora, Nina, Ann, Susan, Gina, Phil, Steve, Olivia, Lee, Tony, Marcia, Thomas, Bob, and Billy. Before we finish, we had someone recently, a couple of weeks ago, said something they were standing for their sister and she's gone in remission. Amen. A couple of years ago, someone was standing for someone, some lady in California. She was stage three or stage four by herself with kids and she's healed. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to the, we're speak to the cancer in the bodies of these people's names that we call out. Jesus spoke to a fig tree and it died. Jesus spoke to the wind and it stopped. He spoke to a fever and it left. And we are like him. We're going to speak to this cancer and it's going to die. Amen. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you foul unclean spirit and, and uh, cells of cancer in the bodies that we've called out. If you didn't call your name out, call it out again. We curse the cancer cells in your body from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. We command that that cancer cease and desist its maneuvers right now and come out of your body. If that cancer happens to be demonic in nature, Jesus told us to cast out devils, that we would cast out devils. So we will. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you foul unclean spirits of cancer, we command you loose them and let them go. Furthermore, any cancer cell undetected, unknown in our bodies as we stand here today, we may not even know what's in there. It usually starts off so small, but a year, maybe it's big enough to see. We don't have to wait that long. And here or online, every cancer cell within the sound of my voice, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you to die. Cease and desist your maneuvers if you're demonic. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, loose us and let us go. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As he declared, we, we will see healing in this house because we believe him. Not because we're somebody, but because he's somebody. We trust him. We believe his word. Yes. It's time to stand up for God. Yes. Stand up against this world system that's trying to tell you who you are and who you aren't. Oh, Find out who God says you are and get in line and be it. Woo. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for every sickness, every disease, every abnormality, every malady, every sugar issue, blood issue, every heart issue, every uh, heart rhythm issue, every sugar, every blood Every issue with any organs in our body, our skeletal system, our nervous system, our brains, mental issues, schizophrenia, uh, bipolar, depression, oppression, anything that's unlike what God created us to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pronounce the healing power of God over you from the top of your head to the bottoms of your feet. Allow the kingdom of God to come near to you. Allow the peace of God to enter into your heart. And behold, from the top of your head, the bottoms of your feet, every cell, every tissue, functioning in the perfection which God created to function. I forbid any malfunction in your body or your mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Give him a moment of praise. Praise him. Father, we praise you. We thank you. And if you would be seated, we'll take communion. Partake of his body and his blood. When he said that, and John had a big crowd. You know, he wasn't trying to build a mega church. He didn't have flat screens. 
tight jeans or smoke machines. He had the Holy Ghost. Then he had microphones. But he would have still hired Gary, I guarantee you. He just spoke the truth. And when the crowds got so big, why'd they get so big? Because they saw God moving on humanity. What's going to draw people to God today? Lift Jesus up and let his power be manifested. Quit worrying about if you're out of whack because you believe in healing. To take something that was such a major part of his ministry and act like it doesn't matter, that makes no sense to me. He said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Wow, wow. That big crowd dwindled down to 12. Well, and whoever else that was just disciples with him, because they were, I'm sure not just the 12, but Thank the ladies that followed him and poured into his ministry the voice of healing. didn't leave When him. you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, join us for our 10 a.m. Sunday you guys leaving service. too? Our website, restoringplace.org. You know what we know speaks the word of truth. We don't understand what you just talked about, but we ain't going nowhere. We ain't got no place to go. And we ain't got no place to go. Need someone to answer questions about us and pray with you 24 7. Don't get offended for the word's sake. Don't get offended in the body of Christ. We're getting to the place. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Man, you better tough it out where you are and learn from Him while you're being taught. Sometimes the Lord's correcting and you think you're, well, I won't touch that. Sometimes the Lord is correcting you and you get offended. If you could see him, you'd probably pull that back real quick. But on the night that he was taken from us, actually he gave himself. They couldn't take him. He took and broke bread. I'm sure like he did on the road to Maus when he broke bread. They said, that's him. He broke bread and held it up and said, this is my body that was broken for you. As often as you come together, take eat and call me affectionately to remembrance of everything that I've told you. Well, Jesus, you told us to be like you. You told us to walk in your authority. Make disciples and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out devils, cleanse the lepers. That part was paid by your body. The stripes on your body. Today as we take this, your body into our mouth, we remember that. Hallelujah. Then he took the cup of wine. And held it up and says, this is my blood shed for you. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He shed his blood to cleanse us, to come and walk into a place with him like as he did with his father. Because his blood was shed for us that you and I would be the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, you shed blood to make us right with God. And to seal the covenant as a blood covenant. We call you to remembrance of everything you told us. All that we've spoken here today, we bring it into culmination with your body and your blood.
Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hold one second. Jesus, we take your word seriously. We take your written word. You are the written word of God and beyond. And we trust you. We put our heart and faith and soul into you. We love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We enter into our eternity, giving you worship and praise all the days of our life and into our next realm with you. And we thank you for it. And we give you praise. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, or maybe you walked with him when you were young, but you walked away like I did, I want to invite you to come back and walk with him again. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're saved. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're going to make that confession of faith. If you're listening by line, online, you can pray right where you are. If you don't pray it now, for some reason, and you want to pray it later, God will bring it in remembrance to you. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, then we're saved. He also said if we ask him, he'd fill us with his Holy Spirit, just like he did Jesus. Amen. I believe those two things with all my heart. And I ask him to fill me every day that I can recall with your spirit. On the way here today, I said, Lord, fill me. Let you speak through me. We can't do anything without him. So repeat this prayer after me, even if you're saved. You can dedicate yourself again. Repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, today I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. You raised him from the dead. And according to your word, in my profession of faith, I'm now save. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now take my life and do what you want to with it. And you also said that if I ask you, you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. So today I say it, Lord, fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit that I become a body holy filled and flooded with God himself. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would stand to your feet. See, I was trying to get us out of here earlier, but Brian came up here and prophesied at 1230. I heard that. But I'm going to have to override that let you get out of here. <laughs> this is the ironic blessing that we call Aaron, but God gave it to Moses to give to Aaron to give to his sons. It's amazing how God will tell you to go tell somebody, and they'll go tell somebody. And that word that God spoke out of his mouth has power when it comes out of the last person's mouth, whether they believe it or not. Amen. Amen. An atheist can sit there and quote scripture and somebody can get saved from it. Because the word of God is alive and full of power. So God told Moses to tell Aaron to tell his sons to go tell the people. He said, and when they tell them, they'll be writing the fourth group. Aaron's sons will be writing God's names on people. And God says, and I'll fulfill it. Now, all of this is, all of this is, is received in Christ Jesus. But sometimes it's good just to remember what he did. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
the Lord lift up his countenance, become face to face with us and give us peace. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In other words, God and his word were face to face for an eternity past. Hallelujah. Except for those three days he was gone. And Jesus stood in faith to come up out of there. Because of what God had told him. You think you've been through something. Go where he went. Pay the price of all humanity's sins. But he stood in faith. Amen. As he came back to that face to face with God, lifted up his countenance to him. And he lived face to face with God forever. And he, long, he invites us into that same relationship. So the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance face to face and give us his peace now and forever. Amen and amen. Thank you again for being our guest here on The Voice of Healing. When you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, join us for our 10 a.m. Sunday morning service. Our website, restoringplace.org, has all the details on how to find us. While you're on our site, check out ways you can volunteer at the Dream Center. Need someone to answer questions about us or to pray with you 24-7? Call our prayer line at 704-904-9025.